Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. This morning we'll be reading from Jeremiah 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The word of the Lord. Let's take a moment for silent reflection. As you continue to reflect, uh, you can turn, if you'd want, to page three in your bulletin, or just let these words wash over you as I read them. This is a quote that is so apropos and so in line with today's scripture. We're going to start today's message from it. This is from James Davidson Hunter from Christianity Today. Faithful presence in the world calls on the entire laity, that's us, in all vocations, ordinary and extraordinary, common and rarefied, to enact the shalom of God in the world. If there is a possibility for human flourishing in our world, it does not begin when we win the culture wars, but when God's word of love becomes flesh in us, reaching every sphere of social life. When faithful presence existed in church history, it manifested itself in the creation of hospitals and the flourishing of arts, the best scholarship, the most profound and world-changing kind of service and care. Again, not only for the household of faith, but for everyone. Faithful presence isn't new. It's just something that we need to recover. Brothers and sisters, uh, it is a privilege to be with you today. Um, I'm pinch hitting today for Pastor Matt, who's been uh, wrestling with COVID, as I understand. And so please keep him and his family in your prayers as he seeks to rest and recover Um, to full health to be with us again soon. Um, 
So, in talking with Matt earlier this week, um, he reminded me of some of the phrases here at Renew. So whether you're here in person or whether you're online today, we want to look at these things and how they fit into this incredibly important scripture today. So as I look back at these phrases that Matt reminded me of, um, I want to bring them up again. The what of Renew San Diego is this, that we are following Christ to renew our neighborhoods, our city, and the world. Again, we're following Christ to renew our neighborhoods, our city, and the world. Several years ago, there was a meme that came out where Jesus was sitting on a park bench next to a young man with a backpack. And Jesus is saying to the young man, no, I'm not talking about Twitter. I literally want you to follow me. (laughs) This word follow is an interesting one. We understand a bit of what it means. I went back and looked at how many different Greek verbs there are for the word follow. There are over nine, just in my cursory look. And they mean things like to follow. That's where we get our word for acolyte. It means to actually follow in the procession. Um, It means to come after or behind. It means to go. And it means to walk orderly. But then there's some other meanings in this idea of follow. It means literally to follow Jewish customs, where we get the word Judaizers, those who follow the Jewish customs. Or peripateo, which means to conduct oneself or to behave or walk in a certain way. Or another Greek word, which means to run after or to seek after. Or even another, which means to hold on to or to attend to. Or even another, which means to have confidence or to obey. Or even another, which means to live according to. And then the last that I saw was this Greek word mimetes, which means literally to imitate, to follow as an example, to mimic, to become like. I don't want that to be lost on us here at Renew, that to follow Christ is more than just to know the things that he says or to listen to what other people might say that he he said. But it literally means to submit our lives in such a way that he becomes our rabbi. The one not only that we learn from, but that we seek to become like. And again, this is not a moralistic thing. This is Jesus, the word made flesh. The word of God, the one that actually made all that we know. All of creation. Jesus shows us how to be human again. And then he empowers us to do it. Okay, so if following Christ is the what of Renew, how do we go about it? And here at Renew San Diego, we go about it by following Christ together, by being reunited to God, reconnected to each other, and then redirected out for mission. There's probably something we could do in terms of sign language there. Reunited with God, reconnected with each other, and then redirected out in mission. And as Pastor Matt likes to say, these are not new ideas. There's nothing novel here. This is just a reclamation of what God has been up to ever at the, from the beginning and ever since Adam and Eve said we'd rather go our way than your way. So, 
Let's consider the Hebrew people in this passage. This is Jeremiah chapter 29. Why is it named Jeremiah? Because Jeremiah was a prophet. And Jeremiah was prophesying. He was basically sent people from Jerusalem to the Hebrew leaders and to the Hebrew people that were in exile in Babylon. And if you remember, King Nebuchadnezzar, don't make me spell it, but King Nebuchadnezzar was not the friendliest of kings. He was harsh. He was a tyrant, like most kings throughout most of history. And here in the U.S., we really don't remember monarchs much. In fact, our nation is predicated on never allowing monarchs again. And what an interesting time to preach on this. Um, As the queen just recently has passed away, the queen of England that's been in the news a lot, um, her son, Charles III, is now the new king, a head of state with no power, which is interesting, a constitutional monarchy. But nonetheless, may we not underestimate um, the effect this is having on people in the UK and around the world. My middle son, Jacob, and I had the privilege of visiting England a few weeks ago. My mother was born and raised in North London, emigrated on the Queen Mary back in 1958. You can go see that, that ship. Um, and boy, when we were there, uh, <laughs> the importance of the monarchy, the importance of royalty uh, to that nation is really, really huge. It's something that they appreciate. It's something that they long for. But that's not how the Hebrew people were feeling back in Babylon at the time of the late, or I guess you would say early 500s in uh, in B.C., No, they were in exile. They were no longer in the promised land. They were no longer in Jerusalem. They were no longer in the place of the temple. They were no longer in the place where God had said he was going to promise to give them. They were in exile. They were in a foreign land with a foreign people. And you can imagine their desire to return. They wanted to be God's people. They wanted to worship him in the temple. But what was God's message through the prophet Jeremiah that we see here in in chapter 29? It's not something like, here's the next five-step plan to overcoming the Chaldeans. It's not this uh, prescription for how to stay pure or not defile themselves in this terrible group of people. Absolutely the opposite. Listen to the exhortation that Jeremiah gives. Build houses... And live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear children. Multiply there. Do not decrease. What Jeremiah is saying and what God is saying through the prophet is set roots there. Plant them deeply. Then a little bit later it says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. He's not glossing that over. He's not saying this is going to be your long-term multi-generational inheritance. But he's saying, I have sent you into exile, but I want you to seek the welfare, the shalom, the wholeness, the peace, the flourishing, the thriving of this place. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. 
in its peace, in its flourishing, in its shalom, so you will find yours again. What a counterintuitive message. We think of religion as sometimes so much against others or so much not like that. But God is saying, no, no, I want you to uh, plant deep roots here and I want you to seek the welfare of the city and I want you to pray on its behalf. Back in the early 1990s, there was an awful situation in Los Angeles where a gentleman, Rodney King, was seen beaten by law enforcement officials and a huge riot broke out within the city. And the shock waves of this went all throughout not just Southern California but throughout the state, the country, and the world. And unbeknownst to the world at that time, there was this middle-aged or so uh, Armenian pastor who was at a prayer retreat. And as he was praying, he heard the Spirit of God say, Gangs. Gangs? Thought this pastor. What, What do I have to do with gangs? I want you to minister to people who are in gangs. And this pastor started thinking, what would cause such hopelessness that people would riot in their own city? And he realized, you know, if people don't have a viable opportunity for employment, a viable opportunity to give their gifts and be compensated for it, deep, deep hopelessness sets in. And so a Gangs to Jobs ministry called Hope Now for Youth was born in Central California. Now fast forward to 2012, about 20 years later, I'm pastoring at a church in a smaller community in northern uh, Colorado called Greeley, and a gentleman from San Diego named Frank comes to one of our community lunches, and he asks to speak with me as one of the pastors there. And not too long into this conversation in my office with Frank, he's in tears, knowing, saying, I know that I need love. Ever since I was in second, third grade, I've been living on the streets. My mom kicked me out of the house and was strung out on drugs, and I've just been running ever since. I've been mixing it up with the wrong folks. I've been dealing drugs. I've been using drugs. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. I can send you, Frank, back to California to this place that has uh, uh, jobs for you where you can get trained up in some soft skills and get a job. And he said, no, I can't go back to California. I'm going to get jumped back in the gangs. To which I replied, well, then we're just going to have to start something like that here. And so I started to pray. And before I, I... Literally, before I knew it, there was a group of people around me that eventually became the board of a nonprofit that I had written this uh, draft for and had been approved by the federal government. We started our own 501c3, and we called it Jobs of Hope Colorado. And ever since that time, there have been young men uh, who are met, usually when they get out of prison, they're um, met when they're on probation, And they're given an opportunity to get jobs. And when we were back in Colorado this last summer, I got to meet Nico for the first time. Nicolas. Nicolas had um, shot at a man and wounded him during his uh, time in the gangs. And he'd gone to prison for it. And upon getting out of prison after many years, he received one of our Jobs of Hope Colorado cards. It's a wonderful story of redemption. Um, But Nico now is working in his uh, first love, which is with cars. And he's doing detailing and and, 
um, restorative work on cars. His life has been restored. Now, I tell you that story not because I want to share some, like, big-scale thing, but to say when we look at what is around us, whether it be our next-door neighbor, whether it be challenges in the city, in our own hearts, or in the world, when we cooperate with God, saying, how do you want to bring shalom and wholeness to this place? Truly amazing things happen. So consider this this morning. No matter who you meet today, they have suffered. No matter who you engage with today, they have stories of challenges and hurdles that they've overcome in their lives or that they're even trying to overcome in their lives. Maybe it's a conversation with a neighbor. Maybe it's re-initiating uh, in connection with a coworker from hit, with which you've actually been estranged or had some tension. Or maybe it's forgiving a family member. The ripple effects of renewal are long-lasting and much more far-reaching than you'll ever know. And when we think about this passage, how the people of, of Israel are exhorted by God through the prophet Jeremiah to seek the shalom of the city, we are getting closer and closer to the heart of Jesus when we cooperate with this call. Now, sometimes it's something smaller, something quieter, but still can have a great impact. God bless any human being that has to sit next to me on an airplane. Because I love getting to know people's stories, and I don't leave them alone. I was coming back from a conference that was in Hawaii. I was suffering there, uh, just kidding, but enjoying a time in Hawaii at a conference. And I was flying back to Los Angeles. And there was a woman sitting to my left. And we had had a little bit of talk, a little bit of uh, conversation about <clears throat> several different things. But I sensed in the few things that she had shared with me that she had quite a bit of suffering in her life. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know whether it had to do with her work. I didn't know if it had to do with her family. Um, but once, once I got back home, um, I, we had exchanged addresses and stuff because I wanted to stay in touch with her about what she was doing in her work as a, as a, um, a demographer. She worked actually doing um, television. She basically worked in doing these um, shows where she could do documentaries about what was going on um, in Hawaii and around the world. And so I thought of this book um, called The Mom Factor, because I knew she was a mother. She had talked about one of her sons who was still trying to find his way. Um, and I sent her some other things and just sent it off. This was probably in the spring that year. I completely forgot about it. Later that summer, after coming back exhausted from a long high school uh, summer camp, I came to my mailbox, and in it was a letter from this woman. It was four or five pages long. I didn't even remember her name, and I had to look at it and go, oh, I think I now I remember the context. And this is what she said. She said, I don't know if you remember me. We had that conversation on the plane. Of course, I did remember after that. She said, you sent me a book I didn't ask for. And it just sat on my coffee table. And I thought, what is this book? Why, why is it here? And for a couple months, it was just sitting there. And I saw the, the, the subtitle, and the subtitle on the book said, improve all of your relationships. And she said, that caught my eye, and I started to read the book. And I'm writing this letter to let you know what a huge impact this book had on my life. She said, you see, I had been estranged from my father for over 20 years. 
And I, I decided to look and try to find him, and I, I found him, and he actually was in the hospital within weeks of dying. And I was able to fly back to California and reconcile with my dad after a couple of decades. And then I rekindled a relationship with my mother, who I hadn't seen or spoke with in 13 years. And now we talk several days a week together. And on and on and on she went about the ripple effects of renewal that were happening in this life, in her life now, because God had used this one book that I had sent because the Spirit had told me to do so. Friends, don't underestimate the influence that you have just by having a listening disposition, just by being present to those around you. You never know what God wants to do to bring renewal in and through you and in and through us as a church. You know, the first thing that drew our family to renew San Diego was the relationships and an invitation. The relationships that we had with Brian and Jordan, with Jonathan Bowman, and just others, Matt and Marissa. We were invited by these friends to come and to worship with you. And as we came, we started to realize quite quickly that this is a very authentic and relational place. It's not just marked by um, some distant sort of professionalism or impersonal natures in the way that we, things are set up. And then we were drawn to its liturgy, its ancient rootedness. Liturgy just comes from the, it comes from a word that means the work of the people. That's really what it means. It just means work. That we actually respond and worship together and we react and worship together. There's no hype here. There are no airs here. What you see is what you get here. And oh, it is so refreshing. So, this threefold way of following Christ together. To be reunited to God. Friends, we've all, we've all been self-exiled from God. The picture is sometimes in a religious spirit out in the world that somehow God's just angry and just doesn't want to have anything to do with his creation. That is such the opposite of what scripture teaches. God has done everything in his power to bring us back to him as we've been self-exiled because of what the Bible calls our sin, which is just our rejection of God's way. So much so that he sent Jesus in the flesh. The word of God became flesh to reunite us to him. That's the good news. That's the great news. Is that we're not like, like the people, the Hebrew people in Egypt. We're not just enslaved anymore. But we're actually redeemed to live the life that God created us to live. Secondly, we've all experienced relational fractures. And the sinews of the body of Christ grow strong as our reconnection with each other flows from the reality of our individual and collective reunification with God. We truly are brothers and sisters as we seek to follow Jesus in his way. And then as we're restored to God and we're reconnected to each other, we can't but help to be compelled by the Spirit to be redirected in mission. We, we are no longer... Um, the monikers that the culture wants to say that we are. We're no longer just reduced to the vocational um, dispositions or places of employment. We are so much more in being restored to being the, f the fullness of who God wants us to be. We recognize full circle that the whole point of following Jesus is to be on mission with him as he reconciles all things to himself. 
I love this, this passage uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul, and we talked about him in the book of Acts, right? He was Saul. He was the one who was the Hebrew leader. He was uh, killing Christians. He was persecuting Christians. But Jesus shows up to Paul in this incredible vision on the road to Damascus, and Saul gets his name changed to Paul and becomes on mission with God. And this is what he says to the church in Corinth. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we no longer know him in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, if anyone says, you know, I don't have this all figured out. I'm not even sure which direction I'm going, but I want to start to take steps in following Jesus. If anyone is in Christ in this way, there's a new creation. The old has passed away, and look, new things have come into being. He says, all this is from God, who reconciled um, us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made the one who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is not a moralistic thing. This is a right relatedness thing. This is a restored to what it means to be human thing. And what Paul is saying here in line with what is even happening here in Jeremiah is, listen, we don't look at people from a worldly point of view anymore. We recognize that each and every person is made in the image of God and God wants to restore us back to that image-bearing vocation, to the original glory that he's made, each and every person, each and every community, each and every culture. We get to be a part of this mission. And so to be a part of Renew San Diego is to be, uh, taking, is, it's to be someone who's taking next steps in this glorious mission. Also in this passage in Jeremiah... It's not just this exhortation um, for the wholeness and the shalom and the flourishing uh, of Babylon. But starting at verse 11, it says this. For surely I know the plans I have for you. Before we go any further, this often is a trite uh, verse that you might see on a Christian stationery or something. There's nothing trite or sentimental about this. The Texans have us here. They don't have this word you when when it's for a bunch of people. They say y'all. Have you noticed that? We don't do that here, but we need a word like that because this is a plural word. It's not just individual. So listen again what it says. For surely I know the plans I have for all of you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not to harm you. To give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me, And come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, 
says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. God is saying, yeah, I sent you into exile, but part of the purpose is your own restoration. But the other part is the restoration of, the, of Babylon itself. The Chaldean people that have actually brought you into exile, I want you to bless them. This isn't much different than Jonah needing to pray. This isn't much different than everything that we see throughout Scripture, where God is redeeming people for himself. And here at Renew San Diego, we want to be about that. A congregation of people who maybe even out in the world wouldn't have mixed up to, mixed, been mixed up together. Maybe it had been separate, but because of the gospel and the good news of Jesus, we come together and we're reunited with God, we're reconnected with each other, and then redirected for mission. It is so exciting to be on mission together. Imagine if each Sunday when we gather, the stories continued to grow more and more about you wouldn't believe what God did this week. You wouldn't believe the way God restored and renewed this week. Let's share with each other what God does. Let's look for ways that he's at work around us so that we can partner with him. Lastly, something that our family has really appreciated about this congregation is it's not terribly religious, but spiritual in the best way. And what do we mean? There isn't a heavy, burdensome yoke here saying, get your act together first. Get it all figured out together first. You know, um, put on your pretty face and your pretty clothes and just pretend. That is such a heavy burden. And it's a burden that so many, I think, in our culture today want to have nothing to do with, and rightly so. And so I want to bring this message to a close with a passage from Matthew chapter 11. Remember, Jesus is the fullness of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. In the mystery of the incarnation, he's literally the, world, the word made flesh. And in Matthew chapter 11, he is speaking to his disciples. And he basically says to them, this yoke that I have, and if you think of oxen, um, you know, the oxen are connected to each other through this piece of wood we call a yoke, and then it's connected to, well, sometimes it could be a cart, or sometimes it could be um, something heavy. I mean, just all these different things that they're pulling. Jesus, Jesus says, my yoke is not burdensome. It's light. Take my yoke upon you, is what he says. Well, Eugene Peterson, um, a pastor that wrote basically kind of rewrote all of scripture into a modern day vernacular it's called the message in Matthew chapter 11 this is what he says I love the way he writes this are you tired are you worn out are you burned out on religion come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life I'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
As Jordan told us at the beginning, we were not a people made for anxiety. We're a people made for peace, for wholeness, for all the fruit that the Spirit wants to bring. And as we're reconciled and reunited with God, reconnected with each other, and then redirected on mission, we begin to live the life that we were created for. This is the place. We are a people in the tradition all the way back to 597 B.C., the time of Jeremiah. We have been blessed to be a blessing. Will you join us? Will you join him in being redirected to this mission of shalom wherever you go? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you don't just show us the way, but that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, we want to become a people of your way. We want to become a people who are indeed in every way. Who are brought back to you. Who are reunited to the Father. Who are reconnected to each other. And who are redirected out in mission. We don't want to spend one more moment of our lives, myopically being self-absorbed or concerned about our immediate circumstances, but with our eyes set upon you in partnership with each other by the power of your spirit to learn what it means to be fully alive again. We thank you. We rely upon you. And we worship you this morning. Amen.